What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and I just want to welcome you guys to another episode. And before we get started, I just want to share how grateful I am for the listeners. You know, about a year ago or so, this was a vision. It was just an idea in my mind of wanting to share my stories and eventually bring individuals onto the show that I feel like I could, you know, ask questions and I want to learn from and they could share things with the audience and bring some kind of value. And interesting, this was just a vision almost a year ago. And in the last year, now we're on to episode almost 70, 71. And about almost two, three months ago, a lot of your listeners are very well aware that I started to bring guests onto the show. So the first 30, 40, 50 episodes were just me talking and sharing. So when you go back down to the first 30, 40 episodes and you share all those different, uh, you see all those different episodes on sales, motivation, you know, sexual energy and all these things. That was just me sharing my thoughts and opinions and things I've learned the last decade. And what I started to do was I was like, you know what, I want to bring a bunch of guests onto the show these next 12 months and mostly of 2022. And as I started to think about the guests that I wanted to bring onto the show, I had to do some soul searching on, you know, really making sure that I am making these decisions from my heart and not from my mind, especially in the sense of being a marketer and thinking about like, oh, I'm going to hit up all these big guys because they have a lot of followers. And then when they listen to my podcast, they will share and, you know, like, marketing guy. I was thinking that, but then I was like, no, from my heart, I want to message individuals that I feel like I could learn something from. So from my Instagram on Explorer page and going through different pages and seeing individuals that I'm like, wow, like, you know, we're talking about the same things. You have some stuff that you could definitely share with my audience and they could really take some value from it. So today guys, I'm excited. I'm very excited for the guests that we have on the show. I'm going to tell you guys a little about them, a little bit of bio here. I want to read because once you listen to this bio, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm listening to the next hour. Okay. So he goes by the name of Jason and I'm just going to read a little bit on him, his background, what he does, because I want you guys to get an understanding on who's on the show and how he's able to bring some value for you guys. And only if you guys start implementing some of the things that he shares with us today. So he goes by the name of Jason. All right. And I want to just say this in the best way I can read. What does an award-winning entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker, a bacon baconitarian, that's a vegetarian who still eats bacon, just so you guys know, a funky sock lover, a former rapper who actually opened up for the Bhutan clan, yes, really, and a previously 332-pound man who has lost over 130 pounds despite his affinity for bacon, that's actually pretty good, as in common. So he's the same guy, Jason Goldberg. So we're really... That's interesting. Is a mindset mentor, a leadership coach for celebrities, change makers, and CEOs. He's also the host of the Jason Goldberg is Ruining Podcast podcast. Ooh, running Podcasting Podcast. Author of the number one international bestseller on self-leadership entitled Prison Break and created a playful prosperity and competition-proof business immersion programs. Jason has been a future expert on media outlets, including ABC, CBS, and Fox, as well as teaching of the Mind Valley and Soul Pancake platforms. Has founded multiple startups, including one in partnerships with NASA and the Space Shuttle Program. Just to give you guys a couple of stages that he's also spoken on, as a sought-after international speaker, he has shared the stage with some of the world's greatest thought leaders, innovators in human potential and performance. Jason Silva, Dr. Sean Stevenson, Don Miguel Rose, he's actually the author of the Four Agreements. I talk about this book a lot. Vishen Lakhani, CEO of Mind Valley, because I pronounced that name wrong, I feel like, and Stephen Codler. Okay. He's shared the stage with all these amazing individuals. And today he's on this podcast with me to share a couple of things. So, Jason, 
welcome to the show. Well, it, I, I'm so happy to be here, but now the show's over because my bio is so stupidly long that we hour <laughs> is done. So I hope everybody has a wonderful day I, and we'll see you soon. I actually want to say that's pretty short because I, I, there's a couple other ones that I've read in the last couple of weeks. You know, I love it. I love sharing it because there's a way to start the podcast sometimes where we just get right into a conversation. But yeah. what I like to do and what I have been doing is like, I like to give that bio on the individual that I interview because then I feel like I save a lot of time for the audience because now they get an idea of who they're listening to. In yeah, case if sure. I just started and we're talking, we're having these conversations, you're sharing all these things, but the whole time they're like, but who is this guy? Like, yeah. who, is he qualified to be saying what he's saying, right? Yeah. Um, question that comes off the top of my mind is, yeah. you, you know, obviously coach and share a lot of, you know, with businesses, right? Mm -hmm. What are some philosophies or some strategies or some habits that you feel like it's required to whether if you want a successful relationship, successful business, you want to be the healthiest version of yourself, doesn't matter what you want, you must have these or you must have these habits or you must be doing these things in order to achieve them. Doesn't matter which one of those things you want to go for. What are some of those things? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, one of my one of my highest values is integrity. And, and integrity to my word. And it's not just being an integrity to my word to others, which for a lot of us is actually not as big of a problem. A lot of us are pretty good for different reasons and for different traumatic uh, reasons. We're pretty good at keeping our word to others. We don't want to let people down or we have people pleasing tendencies or we don't want to look like a failure. There, there's a lot of things in there that, dr that drive that. But regardless of the fact, usually we're pretty good about keeping our word to other people. Mm. The challenge becomes in how are you at keeping your word to yourself, mm. right? And so that's something that I was, I was just working with a, a new client and, and he came to me specifically around sales, like sales. All he wanted to do was work on sales and on getting clients. And that's all he cared about. And he told me, I'm telling you right now, the only reason I'm hiring you is to get clients. That's it. Mm. And, and it became very obvious to me very early on in our very first session, that integrity to his word was the reason he wasn't making more sales. It wasn't because he needed some kind of special, super secret ninja marketing sales convincing persuasion tactic and all that crap that never actually works. And even if it does, then you've convinced somebody against their will to do something. And I don't want to, I don't want to sell in that way. Yeah. And, and so, so we made an agreement that uh, that's fine. If that's what he wants, that he wants to, to get clients, that's his metric for success. He mm. gets to pick the metric. I get to pick the, the method. Right. And so the method that I, that I focused on with him to start was really get an integrity to your word. So that's the number one thing. And there's a lot of things, but that's when you ask the question, the number one thing that came up is asking myself, where am I not being fully in integrity to my word? Doesn't mean I'm not going to have off days. I'm not trying to say you have to be perfect. I'm not the drill sergeant coach. It's like, if you want it bad enough, then suck it up and man up and do I don't, that just doesn't, I don't, I don't operate well that way, yeah. but I know that when I get out of my own way and I can just slow down and say, am I being an in integrity to my word? Mm. That changes everything for me. That was amazing. I, like that's, that's so dead on. And I can't believe that you share that integrity. I'm massive on that, right? Doing the things, you know, that you told yourself you're going to do and actually doing it and that builds integrity. And I'm so massive on that. And actually just a point to share about the sales part of it, you mentioned, I just want to share that if you have to convince someone to buy, you're going to have to convince them to stay. You're going to have to, con like this, it's just not going to work out. So that's why you want to, obviously, right? But that's interesting. So now I want to ask you, so like somebody's listening to the podcast right now, they're like, okay, so how do you build integrity? Because integrity is like, you know, like how do you build, because even myself, when I was in this process of 
discovering what integrity is. You know, I'm 31 now, probably 24, 25 is when these concepts came to me and I started to read and study and just really grow my mind, right? So I remember those first couple of years, I would like, I always was like, so what is integrity, right? These days, like to me, this is what integrity is. You know, you tell yourself you're going to do something and then you actually do it. And that process, whatever happens from that process is integrity. Yeah. Yeah, that 100%. Right? That, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and I think the challenge is, I think most people know intuitively what integrity is, right? That it's, mm. that it's, it's being truthful or, it's, um, or, it's, or it's, it's living your truth, it's speaking your truth, and it's, it's committing to things. And, and I actually like to use the word devotion instead of commitment. Commitment can sometimes have a, a heavy feel for some people, like they have to be committed now and forever. And it's, like a, it's, a, it's a constricting thing. Mm. Devotion to me is, devotion is very, uh, has a very clear parallel to love to me. Right. So like when you're devoted to your romantic partner, there, there isn't this feeling of like, I have to love them no matter what. Like there's not this heaviness to it. It's just like, yeah, I love this person. And yeah, sometimes they're a pain in my ass, but like I'm devoted to them. And so I'm going to be here through the sucky part. I'm going to be here through the tough part. So when I'm devoted to my health or I'm devoted to my business or I'm devoted to my romantic relationships, that has a a different connotation for me. But, but people, I think know intuitively what integrity is and, and whatever those areas look like. I think the challenge becomes, you know, if you look at, uh, why, why do we have airline pilots or why are airline pilots paid? Mm. They're not actually really paid to fly the plane. They're mm. paid to know what to do when the plane starts going haywire and, and, and things are not working, right? Mm. So the reason I say that is because in the same way, people know what integrity is, the same way that the planes can kind of fly themselves. People know what integrity is, mm. but the challenge becomes what happens when you notice you're out of integrity with your word? What do you do? How do you rectify it? Mm. And what a lot of people do to rectify it is they, they try to rely on blame and shame to get them back into integrity. Oh, you idiot. You did it again. You promised yourself you can go to the gym, you know, five days a week and you miss two days. You're such a loser. You're so fat. You know what? Just go smoke some weed and eat some chips and sit on the couch. You are such a piece of crap. Mm. That's not the way to get back into integrity. Beating yourself up is not the way to get back into integrity. When we're out of integrity, it's because there's some need that is not being met. Mm. And we have decided that the best way for us to meet that need is to do something that's out of integrity. So for example, you know, go and smoke a bunch of weed and sit on the couch and eating chips. I have no judgment on any of that stuff. I, I enjoy marijuana once in a while myself. I live in LA, it's legal. Uh, and I enjoy chips very much too, being a 332 pound guy in the past. I love my yeah. snacks. But when I really slow down and ask myself before I go to smoke or before I go to take a snack, I ask myself, what is it that I'm hoping this thing is going to fill inside me right now? What need am I trying to meet that I think weed or food or whatever is going to solve? Mm. And when I really slow that down, sometimes, a lot of times for me, the, the unmet need is connection, mm. right? I'm like, I feel, I feel alone or I feel lonely or I feel bored and I really want to connect. And mm. so since I, I, I'm not aware of that, when I'm, when I'm an unaware, the show is aware alpha, when I'm an unaware beta, uh, that, that's, that's your competitor show that's not doing very well. <laughs> yeah. when, when, when I'm an unaware beta, I say, I don't, I don't slow down to inquire to see what that unmet need is, to see if there's some healthier way that I can do that. So mm-hmm. when I when I see that I'm out of integrity and I haven't gone to the gym or I haven't done whatever, I want to slow down and say, well, well, what is it that I I tried to meet this need uh, of you know sleeping in? Let's say I slept in I slept in instead of going to the gym, and I say, okay, well, what what need was being unmet that I felt staying in bed longer was going to help me with? And I may look and say, you know what, my need is that I have full control over my schedule. And by staying in bed, I got to prove to myself that I do what I want. And if I want to stay in bed, I stay in bed. Mm. And it's like, wait a second. That's really good to look at. Is there some way that I can respond to that trigger in a way that's actually healthier? Maybe I can say, actually, I'm in full control of my life and I decide to go to the, go to the gym and be healthy. 
That's also me being in full control of my life and doing what I want to do. So I say all that to say that the big thing here is about slowing down and inquiring when we fall out of integrity without blame, without shame, without saying that we're deficient or we're screwed up or we need to fix ourselves, just slowing down and saying, hey, listen, my needs are not being met and I'm trying to get them met in some way. What's a healthier way to meet those needs? That's amazing. You know, what are the, the two things that I took away from what, everything that you were mentioning? First of all, it was amazing the, how practical you get about this and like the steps to do. And this is what it is. I love that. And the two things that I took away from it was number one, I shared and I talk and sh- teach a lot about this is paying attention, you know, like paying attention to your feelings, like going inward and paying attention. And the second thing is I'm very massive on is questions you know asking yourself quality questions you know tony robbins i think he said quality questions leads to a quality life and for myself these last couple of years i have asked a lot of questions you know and there's actually a question that i've been asking myself the last six months i literally have a uh, sticker and i have this question i heard it on a tim ferris uh, podcast and he mentioned that he does this and so it's how do love myself better in this world and mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it just, it's just there. It's just in my uh, car and I see it and it's crazy. I don't want to uh, say like, that's the thing that has led to the, all the transition and the transformation I have had the last 12 months. But that question has been because I drive a lot too. And it, it just, it's just there. And in asking that question, you know, the answers that come leads to me taking action on things that leads to more things that ends up, you know, loving myself, like this big circle, right? Um, That's so fascinating. You- so, so tell me, what, what does that look like for you? Because I think it's a really fascinating exercise. So you asked yourself that question, what kinds of things have come up for you when you've asked that question? Amazing. That's, I love that. I love that. That's a great question. Uh, so for example, so I'm in this, just to get some context, I'm in this journey last two, three years, I went to a 10 day silent meditation retreat and it was just going to become calmer and get more concentrated and become, uh, cause I'm a sales guy, uh, you know, a cold caller, just a shark, but like my mind is just thousand miles an hour. Right. So anyways, mentor was like go meditate and it should be okay but what happened was the 10 side meditation opened this big can of worm that ended up three years of a lot of inner child work childhood trauma ego work shadow work all these concepts but really just a lot of inward right you know and in my context like i grew up in war grew up in afghanistan i i didn't even know that i had this whole traumatic childhood experience because i had just been going through life just living i was always ambitious going after it and then the 10 side meditation just like opened up there's I can you know talk on that as well why that did that but so that's opened up this can of worms so the last two three years I've been just in process of like learning to acknowledge myself love myself respect myself build boundaries and see myself for the divine amazing person that I am even though I'm this amazing person for everyone yet I never looked at myself as that I was people pleasing codependence all this stuff right um so that question, when the reason why I got into it, because I already believe quality question leads to quality life. I already knew that our minds, it works like this. Like if I'm always thinking like, I can't pay my bills, I can't pay my bills. It's going to keep trying to figure out ways for me to be in that situation where I can't pay my bills. I had that awareness, right? So I knew that I had to ask myself better questions. So I was already aware that I was already doing that. So when this question came, it hit me. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Cause I'm trying to learn to love myself better. So I put that there. And as I'm asking that my that question in last year, just a lot of things have changed in the sense of last year, for example, I was in one of my first serious relationships ever. You know, I didn't have a lot of boundaries. I was still kind of uh, dealing with a lot of child abandonment issues. And there was a lot of time the inner child was operating and looking at her as mommy when it should have been like boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. But I was aware of this stuff like that. So where in asking that question, I feel like it has like led me to where 
And ask me that again as I'm answering this right now. So you asked like out, what did that lead to? Or what kind of yeah, thing? I, I just, well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing on yourself. It seems like you've really gone in deep and, and also Thank your you. vulnerability and sharing it with, with me and, and with your audience. I think it's awesome. so powerful to hear like that we're actually doing this work and we're not just talking about it. So, yeah, so I love that you did that. And, and yeah, and so what I'm kind of trying to figure out here is like, let's say for just one random example of you asking that question and what's an answer that you got Ooh. when you asked yourself that question. I love that. So I, the reason why I did that was because I wanted to make sure I'm still on track because sometimes someone will ask me a question. I go, and I come back to the answer. I come back yeah, to the answer, really. but I go, right? Like, so for example, for myself, one of the things that I'm very big on is self-care Sundays. And I talk a lot about this on the podcast, like man, expressing your emotions. If you got to cry, cry. If you got to do this, like this is a, like, it's all part of you love all parts of yourself. Yeah. We go through uh, insecurities. I go through trust issues. I go times where I don't love myself. I don't think I'm worthy all these things. And like, so I, my message is to accept all of yourself, love all of yourself and all these things. So one of the things that has led for me, that question is I go and take myself on dates in the last year. I spend time with myself on Sundays where I have my, you know, organic charcoal toothpaste and charcoal face mask. And I sit there and I put face mask on and I take care of myself. You know, I have uh, like, a, so I, I have also a coaching program. I help men get over watching porn in 90 days through the tactics strategies I share. And that program, one of the things I share is self-love, learning mm -hmm. to love yourself. So a lot of people think that it's masturbation. They were trained to masturbate and you masturbate and you just orgasm and that's it. But what I teach is self-love sessions, taking 45 minutes and to not only play with your genitals, but play with your all yourself, touch yourself, touch your chest, massage yourself. And the reason why is because you learn to get in touch with the sensations of your body and you start to get in the body and you start to discover that this body is also a mind of its own. It has needs, there's suppressed emotions there. There's a lot of these things in play and it just gets you more in touch with yourself, right? And this is all has come from that question, I believe, where like I've, I, wow. I've started to put that program in there. How can I become, how can I love myself better in this world? And continuously asking myself, I have just led to another one. I didn't have boundaries last year. Now I have boundaries. I have these things that I say no to. I have these things that I will not even put in my ear, in my body, in my mind. I have all these things that has come from that question of asking myself, asking the program, right? It's like I installed the program in. I was like, how can I love myself better in this world? And all these things continuously coming up and coming up, even this podcast right now, choosing to bring guests on because I want to learn. And I was like, who can I learn from? So like right now, this is another way of where I'm loving myself, where I'm getting free information. Yeah, and at the absolutely. same time, I'm sharing it with an audience and giving back at the same time as well. But that's, yeah, that's where I feel like that, like those are main things that has led to me loving myself from asking that question repeatedly in the last six months or so. Bro, that's, that's epic. I, I love that. And I, I hope that everybody listening takes that on for themselves because the, the self-love journey, you know, is as cliche as it may sound sometimes, mm -hmm. I think they're cliche because they stand the test of time. That's why yeah. they're for a reason. And, uh, and I think that that's, it's such an important thing. It's been a big part of my journey and, and recognizing that for me, at least that, and I think for pretty much everybody I've ever spoken to about this, that self-love is what's left over in the absence of self-criticism. Mm. It's there by default. So whatever we can do to, to stop criticizing ourselves or to, or to at least love the part of ourselves that's cr criticizing us, that it's trying its best. And that's, yeah. that's the program it's running at the time. Mm -hmm. That can be really helpful. And there's a, there's a series of questions that I have, or not really uh, questions, they're conversations that I have with myself. I did an episode about self-love on my, my podcast, solo yeah. episode about, about self-love. And 
I remember there was a time, you know, throughout my entire weight loss journey, I was, I was 330 pounds in my late twenties, but I was a big kid my entire life. I was 250 pounds when I was 15 years old, like when I was in high school and, you know, that's when kids are really loving and accepting and they never make fun of you because of the way you look. So that was fun. Uh, but, but ever since like kindergarten, first grade is when I started getting chunky and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse for a lot of different reasons. And I was raised by a single mother, I'm, you know, only child and, and she didn't really cook. So there was a lot of fast food and pizza and it just got, you know, worse and worse and worse. Mm. So I'm in my late twenties, I'm 330 pounds. I finally go on this weight loss journey and I, I lose 130 pounds. And then what I noticed happened was that that didn't actually solve nearly as many of the problems as I thought it was going to solve. Like, oh, if I lose the weight, then my life's going to be perfect. What else could possibly get in the way? Mm. And it's because I realized that, you know, I was carrying around the physical weight, but there was also all these other types of weight that I was carrying around that I hadn't addressed, right? The mental weight, the emotional weight, the financial weight with worry about money and just all, all the weight that was still on my shoulders, even though yeah. the physical weight had come off. And so I remember there was this one time when I had you know, this is after the weight loss stuff was, was done. And of course, you know, maintaining, but you know, the, the main part was done. And I remember getting on the scale one day after, you know, kind of having a weekend of eating whatever the hell I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that I had gained like three or four pounds on the scale. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, maybe they wouldn't care. Maybe they, they wouldn't care at all. Some people maybe be like, oh, that sucks. I really got to get all my stuff today. But for me, it brought up the trauma of being so heavy that immediately in my head, I said, oh my God, you're, you're going to gain all your weight back. Look at you. Here you go. You're going to go back to being 330 pounds. You're going to go back to being miserable. Like all these things started playing in my head. Mm. And so it occurred to me in that moment to have this conversation with myself because I was, I was feeling so down and so, so depressed because of that. Like the, these mm -hmm. few pounds on the scale just mm -hmm. took my mind off into this, this really catastrophic dark place. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down on the floor in front of a mirror, like a big, you know, tall mirror, floor length mirror. And I sit on the ground and I'm sitting right in front of it. And I look myself right in the eye mm -hmm. and I say, Jason, I would still love you even mm -hmm. if you gained back all of your weight. Mm -hmm. And that became a conversation that I now have with myself anytime I need to. And I, I invite my clients to have this conversation and I invite everybody listening to this to have the conversation. Anything that you fear could possibly happen mm -hmm. that would make you unlovable. Mm -hmm. I want you to have the conversation with yourself and you may feel a little weird. Look right in the mirror. You, you can use your phone, but it's better to lose, use, look right in the mirror and say, I would still love you mm -hmm. even if and then fill in the worst case scenario. And there's two very important words to stress in here. It's, I would still love you, meaning that my love is here now and it's not gonna go anywhere, right? I would still love you. And then the even if says, not only is the love here forever, but that love is unconditional, right? So I would still love you even if, and then fill in whatever your worst case thing is that you think makes you unlovable. And when you do that with sincerity in the mirror, you will feel the, the release, you will feel the relaxation, you will feel the peace, you will feel the self-love. Uh, it's, it's really remarkable, man. Oh, Jason. Okay. Like that was so amazing. So first of all, I want to say congrats. And the fact that like you actually have gone like losing the weight, like, and going through that process, like 20 pounds, 30 pounds, like anyone that has lost that weight, I, you know, of course you also have gone through your own journey. I'm not saying it's not hard, Huge. but like yeah. when somebody has lost over 130 pounds or 120 pounds, it's like, that like you went through a journey where like you went you lost some weight then like you the motivation went away and then you had to literally stay committed to your desire and go through it like it like it, it's not easy to lose 120 30 pounds right so right like i'm so glad that we're having a conversation i feel like i'm having a conversation with someone that's practically on an experiential level has lived through and gain the habits and the philosophies and the ideas that you have. And the second thing I want to share was I have about 70 plus 
episodes on the podcast and I've only taken my notebook twice on the podcast to write something somebody wrote states okay so this is a compliment all right <laughs> like, oh, thank you man i appreciate it man like that was good i would still love you if so i'm gonna journal even on even, even if even if i'll still love you even if yeah i'll still love you even if guys you're listening to the podcast right now i'm gonna journal on this and you know i journal a lot i have like four or five different journals like literally like i have an idea journal i have a gratitude journal i have a reflection journal where on sundays i sit and i just think back to on something that i did last week or think back to so lately december usually one of my mentors suggested like you should already be you know setting up like october november i start setting goals for 2022 and then i start uh, writing like i grab a page i write 2022 and in 2021 okay what did it look like and in 2022 2023 what do you want it to look like mm-hmm. and so i just started writing just start thinking about it really right and then yeah. it turns into goals and all those things so but yeah like guys you listen to this this is something that i believe you should journal on this like i would still love you even if right and write whatever comes right yeah. so yeah i'm gonna journal on this like oh, some things are gonna come up like that's amazing and, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. and, and just one, one other thing i want to say really quickly about when it comes to the weight loss thing because th- this doesn't just apply to weight loss it applies to if you want to you know write a book or build a business or run a marathon or, or whatever it is is I, I write about this in, in my book in prison break that i say i didn't lose 130 pounds i lost one pound 130 times Oh, right. Because, and and that's the same thing with the book. Nobody writes a book. Uh, Nobody writes a chapter of a book. Uh, People write words, Mm. right? Just write a sentence. Yeah. Because when we, when we really chunk it down there where it doesn't have to be this big, expansive, overwhelming thing, then we actually make some forward movement. So I always talk about my my form of productivity is what I call JFT productivity. JFT Mm. productivity is just for today productivity. Tomorrow Mm. is none of my business, but today I can fully commit to whatever I'm committing to today. And to me, that's how I did the one pound 130 times. It's how I built my business, multiple businesses, how I wrote my book. It was all these very, very small incremental things. And the incremental and linear become exponential the longer you stick with it. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like we would be best friends if we live close together. Because what you just shared, that's amazing. Like, that's what I believe. So I feel like everybody's teaching, you know, everybody's trying to become something in this world. And the gurus and everyone that's on the online space teaching the ideas, uh, laws of attraction, and how to become your best self, positive thinking, all these things, they're all amazing. It's all a great way to get someone curious who has a desire to become better. So it's a great way to get someone, right? But I feel like nobody's, not a lot of people are out there sharing the exact way to massive transformations. And I believe the exact key is to start small, and to do a little bit of it. So for example, if you're trying to start, this is my opinion, you can disagree and let me know. But so like, if you're going to start, you know, a workout routine and you want to start going to hit the gym, don't go and get a membership and start freaking working on an hour. I believe that this is from, cause this hour I did it. I was like 184 pounds in, in 2018 and I need to lose like 30, 40 pounds. And what I did was I literally, my mentor was like, cause I'm like, I, I don't want to go to the gym, man. I'm not into that. And I just was always at this, this mindset, right. Even though I was a an athlete in my younger days, but then I lost motivation into it working out. So I was like, he's like, just show up to the gym for 60 days. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, just show up, get a member, just show up there. And it's interesting to make this short and sweet. I start literally show up there, Jason, every day. And I'll go sit in the steam room and just sit in the steam room. Cause I love the steam room. And I'll go into the hot tub every day, every day, like four or five days a week. Right. I'm going and going probably by the 50th day. I started to go on the treadmill. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go hit the treadmill, make this short and sweet. Three months after I started training for a marathon. And then I ran a half marathon and I started working out regularly. And like, now I work. So like that started it. 
And I had done prior to that, I had gone to the gym so many times, getting a membership, showing up every day for a couple of days and working out very hard and then falling off. So I believe the key to transformation is to start small and just, just do it because while you're doing that, integrity is being built, self-confidence is being built. You're showing yourself possibilities. Your body is going through a shock like, oh, wow, I didn't know we could do this. And like this whole stuff is happening. And then six months back, you look back and you are like, you're like you're running a marathon, you're doing yoga, you're doing something. You're like, no way. And I feel like I discovered like, that's the key. Like someone asked me, like, how do you like, how did you become so maybe like so disciplined? I'm like, I started small. And second, I built the right habits. Like I literally focused for about a year to just wake up 4 a.m., work out, do this and like, but stay. And it's funny now, like I could have a weekend drinking, partying, all that stuff. Monday comes, I fall back into my default, which is the good habits, right? Mm-hmm. So I think those two things, and I'm curious to hear your actually opinion on this on, yeah. is it, do, you, do you feel like this are? I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I wanted to start uh, back in like 20, uh, 2014, I think it was 2014, 2015. I wanted to start getting up at 5am and going to the gym. Mm. And I knew from, you know, my own past experience and weight loss and everything else, that if I tried to just get up at 5am and go to the gym, it wasn't going to happen. If, mm-hmm. if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah. And, and so I did a thing where very similar to you, I had a thing where uh, the, for, first of all, I needed to start getting myself up at 5am. That's the first part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the first, the first few days, actually it's probably the better part of the first week, I would wake up at 5am. Mm-hmm. I would get up out of bed. I would stand up out of bed and then I'd go back to sleep. Mm. because I proved to myself that I could wake up and stand up, but now I go back. Yeah. To sleep. And then after, and then the second week, I actually put out my gym clothes the night before I woke up at 5am. I stood up, I put on my gym clothes and I went back to sleep. That's so, so I just had these little teeny incremental things so that I wasn't one of the challenges that we have. And this happens a lot with business as well. When you're starting a new business, there's so much uncertainty in, in life in general, but like, let's just say in business, there's so much uncertainty. And so when people are always saying like, you need to get out of your comfort zone, you need to get out of your comfort zone, all that stuff. I'm fi- I, I totally agree that there, that there are, there are places to get out of your comfort zone. Mm. But when it comes to starting a business, I want to be in my comfort zone as much as possible because there's already going to be so much volatility and so many unknowns. I want to have a constant somewhere. I want to have something that I can refer back to and say, I know that if, if all else fails, I can go back to this and this feels safe and comfy while all this other stuff is so unknown. So I took that same mentality into the working out stuff. There's going to be so many things. I got to get up and I got to get dressed and I got to drive to the gym and I got to figure out what workout to do. And I got to figure out how often I do cardio versus what there's so many things. Let me just get the waking up part done. So that's not an unknown. Let me get the getting dressed part done. So that's not an unknown. Like how can I slowly remove the unknowns so that I have all of my energy to put into the things that I actually need to focus on? Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, that's like, uh, that's profound to me. Like, that's the key to change. And of course, you got to stay patient while you're doing this, right? Uh, be patient with this process, be committed to the process. But yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that you share that. I'm curious to know, actually, actually, before I ask this, so you mentioned actually, uh, when you know a lot of people, the idea of self-love and it, and I share a lot about this, like, if you listen to this podcast right now, and you're like, you heard the concept of self-love and your reaction was like, it's cliche or like you have that feeling. What I would suggest for you is to dig deeper within that thought and find out who influenced that thought. What part of you thinks it's cliche to love yourself? And I feel like there's some work in that, some journaling that can happen. And usually you find out that I think it's cliche because my father thought it was cliche and my father thought it was cliche because his father and my father was very macho, always told me, don't cry, don't do this. And wasn't, you know, it was to himself. And that's what I have found out through my process because I used to be 
like out self love, you know, like I those I had that thought about it, but digging deeper, I found out that this is what's happening, right? Um, Huge. So the question I wanted to ask yourself is: so you work with businesses and individuals, right? And Mm -hmm. pretty much, how long do you work with them? Like, do you is they go through your programs and everything, and like. I'm just curious to know, you know, of course, individuals that are listening to the podcast that might be interested in working with Jason as well. Right. So it's like, I'm just curious to know what that would look like, like six months, a 12 month program. Like what, what happens? Yeah, it's, it's different for everybody. I mean, what, with my groups, the groups have a, you know, a dedicated time frame, So they're either six months or a year, but as far as the one-on-one stuff, it really just depends if there are things that we are, if it continues to be additive, that's always the thing. It's never like it needs to be six months or a year or, or 10 years or three months. It, it's, it's much more about like, is this still additive? Is this still supporting the things that you want to create and who you want to become? And so most of the time I'll start off with people for six months, but I have some people that are just kind of on an ongoing month to month thing kind of you know, in, in perpetuity on, on a retainer because they continue to see results. They continue to have, have this be additive to their life and their growth. So it's kind of just whatever people, whatever people need that I'm working with. Mm, and what do you, what do you feel like, holding people back from and i want to say going after their dreams but like just overall like what do you feel like it is that you know because like i feel like everybody has desires everybody wants to be wealthy want to be rich wants to have an amazing girlfriend wants to be in control of their emotions wants to have emotional intelligence wants to have self-awareness like i feel like everybody has desires to just become their higher version right Mm -hmm. but what i'm curious is what do you think is holding them back like what is why like everything is I, like maybe it's me who has seen the information and i'm down this path for almost a decade but like what do you feel like it's holding people back because i feel like everything is there for people to just go after it 100 percent, yeah it's i mean it, it's we we have this innate ability as humans to make things much more complex than they need to be right mm. i've done it my entire life i, I spent 15 years in it consulting that was the, we, we got paid because it was complex, right? That was, that was the value we provided is that we were able to deal with things that were more complex than other people could deal with. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it could stand a reason that, uh, complexity seems like it's more valuable, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and simplicity is not as valuable to some people. So, Mm -hmm. so there, there is this notion of like, uh, life needs to be more complex than it is. So what it comes down to is that we have this level of simple, what I call simple fundamental misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. It's very innocent. It's not, you know, there's nothing broken in you. You don't need to fix anything in you. Like it's just a simple fundamental misunderstanding. So if we were, uh, you know, we started this podcast at 10 AM, you know, my time, mm-hmm. if I were to have text you yesterday and said, uh, Hey, Mohammed, are we doing, is it nine 30? And you go, Oh no, no, no. It's 10 o'clock. And I say, Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Misunderstanding. So simple. Yeah. That's it. Simple. Must have, there's not like, oh my God, I, I was off by half an hour. I'm sorry, Muhammad. I have to go see my therapist and my coach and my shaman. I can't, I need to go do some deep work on this. Yeah. It's not that. It's just like, oh, simple fundamental misunderstanding. Now I know it's 10. I show up on time. Everything's fine. Yeah. So, so the way I think about this and the way I talk about this is that we are as humans, uh, very much like hot air balloons. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that we are designed to ascend. We are designed to rise, right? The entire engineering of a hot air balloon is that it goes up in the air and it can stay up in the air and it continue to rise up. That's what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. And we have the we have the the, the ripcord you can pull that puts the fire into the balloon and that helps it rise even faster or even further, right? So so the intelligent design is already designed to rise, and then based on effort you can make it rise even more. And again, mm-hmm. that's just like humans, right? We're designed to rise. We're designed to ascend. Our, our souls and our consciousness are designed to increase, and we have the ability to put effort into that as well to have to help that increase to go higher or faster or whatever else. Mm. But 
if you look at a, a real hot air balloon when it's on the ground, they put these little sandbags all around the hot air balloon to keep it on the ground, right? Mm. And so if you have all those, those sandbags on a hot air balloon, you can pull the ripcord and you can use all the fuel and all the fire and it's gonna lift the hot air balloon off the ground a little bit, but it's not able to do what it's meant to do. It's being weighed down too much by these sandbags. Mm. So instead of saying, how do I engineer a better hot air balloon? How do I put more fire? How do I pull the cord harder? How do I put more fuel into the, the tank? Instead of doing all that stuff, we say, well, what if we just gently removed the sandbags mm. and let the hot air balloon do what it's meant to do? Mm. And so the, the parallel there is, is looking at whatever obstacles that are happening here between the ears that are like those sandbags. Mm. And as soon as we can understand that the, the significance that we put on our thoughts, the seriousness that we put onto our thoughts that are in our head, that are not even our thoughts most of the time, the extent to which we take those thoughts seriously or make them significant, mm. those are the sandbags. As soon as we don't take our thoughts seriously and don't make things significant, the sandbags gently fall off and then the hot air balloon does what it's meant to do. Mm, wow, that's so good. How, how would you or what to do to remove the sandbags? Like, What is the process of, I guess, number one would be self-awareness to be like, okay, like I have all these big goals and desires, but I actually have all these things that's holding me back. That's a level of, that's like a first step because most people don't. So, okay, you realize, okay, well, I have all these things that's holding me back. And then how do you go about figuring it out? What are these things? Because it could be trauma. It could be addiction. It could just be that you're lazy or it could be that, you know, and lazy sounds like a mean word, but like, it just could be that you're just comfortable where you are. You're comfortable watching the Netflix marathon, then starting the half hour YouTube videos to learn that side hustle that you're trying to get into to walk away from your job, right? How yeah. do you kind of start figuring out what are these blocks? What are the sandbags? Well, it's different for everybody. I mean, that's, that's why coaching is so powerful is that it's a conversation. Mm. Right. So yeah. it's not, um, it's not a one size fits all thing. It's there, mm -hmm. there, there are a, a finite number of things that people typically deal with. We know these, right. The fear, the guilt, the, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. we have all those, but as far as where they come from and how to overcome them, it's, it's actually not for me, it's not super important to know where it comes from. It's interesting to know where it comes from and it can be helpful to inform maybe where we go, but it would be like if I, you know, if I'm sitting down to eat a bowl of cereal and I used to love cereal when I was a heavy guy and I still, now they have this magic spoon. I don't know if you've seen this magic spoon cereal. It's like high protein, high fiber. It's like a healthy, healthy cereal. Okay. Uh, so, so if I sit there and I'm, I'm going to eat a bowl of cereal and before I go to take a bite of the bowl of cereal, I go, well, wait a second. And this actually happened in real life to me. Mm. Who decided to put milk in cereal? Mm. Why, why milk? Why not water? Why not orange juice? Why not whiskey? Like mm -hmm. why, why milk? Yeah. So, so the difference here is to say, we could take the stance where we say, well, I'm not going to eat this cereal mm. until I find out why people put milk in the cereal. Mm. That's one way to approach it. Mm -hmm. The other way to approach it is to say, I'm going to eat the cereal while I'm Googling. Mm. Why did they put milk in cereal? Yeah. Right. And so the same thing happens when we look at transformation. There's a lot of us who, who feel, and I've felt this way in the past as well, that I need to heal everything from the past and know exactly where it came from in order for me to move forward versus saying, I'm going to take purposeful steps to understand how the mechanism of the mind works mm -hmm. and to start creating new habits or to start understanding uh, uh, the you know, context of thought versus content of thought, like all the things that, that I use to help people to master their mindset. Mm -hmm. I can do all that stuff while I'm also kind of looking at what needs to be healed. I don't have to wait until this happens to go do this thing. Mm -hmm. so, so that's really my process with people. It's like, yeah, let's take a look at where this comes from because it's interesting, mm -hmm. but we want to make sure we're focusing on things that are actually helpful. 
There's a lot of things we could do that are interesting, right? I could yeah. binge watch the Kardashians. Very yeah. interesting, not yeah. very helpful to get me where I want to go. Yeah. So, so that's the whole thing. It's like getting people to understand the nature of thought is more important a lot of times than figuring out the direct place that some negative self-belief came from. Mm, okay. It's pretty much like, yeah, like I'm curious to know, because like everything you're saying, it sounds like, so it's like, get to know yourself, find out what's going on with yourself, what's going on with your thought process, all these things. So how, what are your thoughts on meditation? I, I love meditation. I mean, I meditate at least 30 minutes a day. Every morning I do 30 minutes and sometimes I'll do a second 20 minute meditation uh, in the afternoon, just depending on kind of schedule and how I'm feeling. But, uh, but it's, it's such an important thing for me. And, but my meditation, my relationship with meditation changed over the years because uh, for years, I tried to meditate. I tried every different form. I, I, I did Vipassana. I did, uh, I was trained in transcendental meditation. I had done, you know, obviously just listening to audios and, and all those different things. Yeah. And, and they were good. They, they all had their place. But for me, it always felt like a checkbox. Like mm -hmm. it's something I had to do because everybody says you have to meditate, you have to drink water, you have to do all these things. So I'm just going to do yeah. it because they say, yeah. and I, I didn't always feel the benefit of it. And I finally realized a couple of years ago why that was. Mm. And it's because there's this belief that's not wrong, but it's, it's just a belief that meditation is about quieting the mind, mm. right? If you ask most people, if you ask, ten, if you ask 10 people, yeah. why, why would you meditate? Nine out of 10 would probably say to shut up my monkey mind, to, yeah. to quiet the mind, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Mm. Unless you're somebody who has a very sped up mind like me, my mind runs very fast. Mm. And now it becomes a thing where if you're not able to quiet your mind, you've done it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right. I did it wrong. What's wrong with me that I qu can't quiet my mind. Mm. And it also says that if a quiet mind is the thing that we're going for more than anything, then essentially it's demonizing the fact that the mind runs, yeah. but that's what the mind does, mm -hmm. right? Dogs bark, cats meow, the mind runs. Like that's yeah. what it, that's what it's meant to do. Mm -hmm. And so I say all that to say that it, 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 it created this distinction in my head for me around meditation that I call meditation as nap time versus mm -hmm. meditation as recess. You know, like recess when you're in school, you go outside yeah. and play, right? So most people think meditation is nap time. Mm. But think about what nap time looks like in a school, like in, a, in, a, in an elementary school. Mm -hmm. In order for nap time to occur, the teacher has to make sure that everybody's beds are laid out in the right place, that the temperature is the right temperature, that the lighting is the right lighting. You can't put Jimmy's sleeping bag next to Tommy's because he's going to elbow him because he's a little schmuck. Yeah. And then when they wake up, you have to wake them up very easily so they don't get cranky and you have to have their snack ready. Like the teacher has to do so much yeah. for nap time to occur. Yeah. But contrast that with recess. Mm -hmm. It takes the kids out into the playground. The playground has its own boundaries. It has some kind of fence. The yeah. teacher can kind of sit there and read a book and the kids will just run around and play and they'll tire themselves out. And then when it's time to come back inside, we come back inside. Yeah. And so I started looking at my meditation and said, I'm going to treat it like recess. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to let all the little kids in my head run around and play and do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell, Hey, 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 you stop playing on the swing over there during play time. That's, yeah. that's not what this is for. No, of course that's what it's for. Yeah. So when I sit there and I just let everything go and do whatever it wants to do, my mind does eventually quiet, but I'm not forcing it to quiet. I'm letting it do what it naturally does. And mm -hmm. it calms down on its own when it doesn't think it's being forced to calm down on its own. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's, I believe, yeah, like I, I believe that meditation is really what you're doing is like you start to observe your thoughts, right? And we have like 50, 60,000, I think in Stanford University, that's 90,000 thoughts, you know, a day, right? Yeah. So you can't quiet this, especially and in individuals like me and yourself, where like, I feel like my mind is running at a million miles, you know, miles an hour. Just like, so no. I believe meditation should be to just observe all that stuff that's going on. And 
And that observation process increases your self-awareness, your understanding and all these things. And that's what I'm, I'm very big on, right? Like I do an hour a day, half hour in the morning, half hour in the evening. And awesome. I simply just do, uh, you know, observe my thoughts. And then sometimes like I, I have different types that I do at this point now, like I'll, you know, Sundays I'll just self reflection. I just sit there and I think, you know, what, you know, I'll, you know, I was that podcast with Jason. What did I learn from it? You know, and all like, I literally just process that. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's amazing that you do that. And is there, so like the reason why I asked that is because in my mind, I'm curious to know, so you're working with individuals, you know, you sit with them and this is the issue. This is the business issue. This is the relationship issue. This is the, my issue. This is the stuff. And you find out that most of them, it's a mindset issue. It's a mindset uh, limiting blocks, whatever it is. And, and now you're like, okay, let's start, you know, you could start having more conversation, asking questions and on how they believe they could, you know, and tackle these issues. Mm -hmm. If my, what I was trying to get to, I was curious, is, is it, do you suggest for them to start meditating? Like, do you suggest for your clients to start meditating, to discover more uh, about what's going on? Because I say meditation, what I teach in my course is that meditation is really just the art of learning to spend time with yourself and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. just like you learn to find out that you got your authentic side, you got the ego, you got the inner child, and you got all these sub personalities that are there that just, you know, and meditation just gives you, you know, exposes you to all these things, right? And yeah. shouldn't freak you, you should just um, observe and realize, okay, well, there's all these things running. Now it makes sense why at 5am at 10 o'clock at night, I said, I'm going to the gym and I woke up at 5am and I don't want to go because it's two different parts of me, you know, and yeah. that's what meditation does. So I'm curious, do you like, or, and let me just give you the, what's going on in my mind right now is, so I want to ask, like, do you suggest your med, uh, clients to meditate? I'm assuming that you do. And then I'm assuming that it's not really meditation, but it's like probably like a, uh, like a journey, like a, like a practical thing to do, but really it's meditation. So I'm just curious, like, do you suggest for them to meditate? And then you're like, yeah, this yeah, is Totally. Yeah. You know, I, I do suggest they meditate. It depends on the person, what I'll, what I'll invite them to do. But a lot of times I'll, I'll invite them to try the whole recess as okay. meditation thing, which is mm. typically helpful for the people that I have that are type A and really like fast driving. Yeah. Uh, so I'll offer that to them. Uh, some people that are newer to meditation, I'll offer them. Actually, we were talking about Vishen Lakhiani earlier uh, in his book behind you. Uh, he has a, a free meditation online. It's called the six phase meditation. It's like a 20 minute meditation that he guides people through, which I really love. And I think it's a good, especially if you're a beginner, it's a really good thing to get into. Awesome. And then I have some clients that I actually pay for them to go to a meditation course that mm. a good friend of mine teaches. My uh, One of my best friends, a guy named Jesse Israel, he runs okay. a company called The Big Quiet and they run mm -hmm. mass meditations all over the world. He did meditations on Oprah's world tour last year before the pandemic. And, uh, and so he teaches people how to meditate as well. So I'll pay for some of my clients to go to his three-day meditation course so they can actually learn and have the facilitation through it as well. So it just depends kind of where they're at on their journey and what I think would be most useful for them. I love that. You know, one of the things that I've taken away from this podcast is that coaching is you know, like you're working with people and you can't really help someone if you don't listen to them. Like you don't listen to what's really going on with them, what's really happening. And yeah, like that's what I'm taking away from you. I feel like the reason why you have done so well is like, it sounds like you really do, you know, intentional listening, I call it. Like you really, truly listen and you realize that everybody is different. Everybody's, you know, like it's not just one like everybody needs to meditate. Like, well, no, like, you know, like everybody just needs to eat healthy. We're like, well, that doesn't really, you know, and right. it seems like that's why like you've seen so much success and you're helping people truly have great transformations is because you really get practical. And then you really, first of all, you get to know them. You find out like what is really going on. 
and right. then you 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 really start giving them you know solutions, resources, and tools, right? Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Give me so where did you like? How old are you? I'm 41. 41. So yeah. you're obviously you mentioned when you grew up, like you were overweight and you went through this phase and everything like that, uh, and you grew up with a single mom, everything like that, right? So. Tell us like what has led you to where you are here today. Like what was it that you transformed your life? And then you were like, like, I got to get into the space of coaching people. Like what led you? And I, the reason why I'm asking this, I like to give context is because, you know, I feel like a lot of the individual I bring on the show, it was like their heart intuition. At one point, they were able to just get in touch with that and be like, like this is my path in life. This mm-hmm. is my purpose, you know, because yeah. IT consultant, you sit for 15 years, right? So it's like something happened between that where you're like, no, 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 yeah. like I want to do this, right? So I'm curious to tell me a little about that. Like what, how did you go from a corporate career to where you are now and what led to that, you know? Yeah, it's a great question. It's it, so the, I'm going to give you the short answer and then I'm going to backtrack. So the short answer is I remembered who I actually am. That, mm-hmm. That's the short answer. Mm-hmm. So the longer answer is if you, if anybody here, uh, wants to undertake this this very short, very easy exercise. Uh, I, I talk all the time, especially if you are uh, if you're running a business, service based business where you are the face. So whether it's coaching, consulting, co- you know, courses, speaking, whatever it is. Uh, when I first started in that realm, and, and I'll tell you how I moved into that realm. But when I first started in that realm. I thought that I needed to figure out what I was going to be known for. Like, what's going to be my thing, like my methodology, my framework, my whatever, like I need to figure that out. And then I realized how stressful that was because now I'm just comparing myself to everybody else. I think, oh my God, that person's been here for 20 years or 30 years, or they're already talking about this. How could I ever talk about that too? It's already been done. Mm. And finally, through my interactions with people, through, you know, being on stages and, and people coming to me afterwards and saying, you know, I don't know what it is about you, but I just feel more joyful when I'm around you. I feel like life is not as heavy when I'm around you. And in my head, I'm fighting that away because I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to tell me how smart I am and how that presentation had the greatest framework ever and all these things, right? My ego was so tied into that because of the IT consulting, like you got paid for being the best or the smartest or the whatever. And it took me a couple of years and it wasn't until... My very last stop, when my book came out, my book came out uh, in 2016 mm-hmm. and I was doing a, a press tour where I was going on all these different morning shows. And my very last morning show was Good Day Sacramento mm-hmm. and a really awesome host uh, or anchor. His name is uh, uh, Cody Stark. No relation to Tony Stark. I asked him if he was related to Iron Man. He's not. Uh, but, but he interviewed me. And when we were done, he said to me, like once we, we went to commercial and they were coming over and taking the mic off me, he said, you know what, man, I just feel so much joy around you. And everybody else was commenting on it. The people in the green room and, and the AV people and my co-host, everybody was commenting how you just bring joy into the world you know, when you walk in a room. And that's when it really hit home for me that instead of worrying about what I was going to be known for, I wanted to focus on what I was going to be known for activating in other people, right? Mm -hmm. What was it that I was going to give other people permission to feel, or how was I going to leave them feeling after interaction? Mm -hmm. Now, why that's so important to think about is because a lot of people may ask themselves, "Well, well, how do you figure that out? Number one, you can ask people. It's an exercise I have my clients go through where they email, you know, three to five people they love and ask them like, what impact do I have on you? After a conversation with me, how do you feel differently? How do you see the world differently? What do you feel uh, gets activated in you by being with me? Mm-hmm. And, and so that that's one way to do it. But the other thing is to look back to when you were a kid. This goes back to me saying, remembering who I am. Mm-hmm. Look back to when you were a kid and ask yourself, what did you get love and approval for? Mm-hmm. And also, what did you get in trouble for? And whichever those things, you look at those two areas, it could be both, it could be one or the other, but you look at those two areas, you'll find the thing that's probably close to what it is you're known for activating. So when I go back to when I was a kid and especially being overweight and and wanting to feel connection and wanting to feel love, 
I developed as a as a as a as a coping mechanism. Mm. I developed the talents of humor and empathy. Mm. Humor, because if I can make people laugh, they won't pick on me and make fun of me, right? If I can get them to laugh with me, then they won't be laughing at me. Mm. And then empathy, because none of the girls were interested in me because I was the fat kid. Mm. But if I would listen to them, I would really listen to their problems. I would feel connection. They would seek me out for advice or they would seek me out for counsel or they would seek me out for, for connection or whatever it was. Mm. And so those two things that I developed that got me love and approval, the humor and the empathy became what I now do for a living, humor mm. and empathy on a scale with you know whoever it is that I work with. Yeah. So, so, so even while I was in IT consulting, humor and empathy were still a part of the process. It's the, one of the reasons that I raised so quickly through the ranks and, and became the youngest uh, director of operations for the, the tech firm I worked for is because I wasn't like the rest of the engineers, right? They were smart as hell and I could hold my own with them, but I would really listen to my people. I would listen to the customers that wanted us to consult and really figure out what it was they wanted and why it was so important and to make sure I was really truthful with them about how we could support them and being transparent and being in integrity and bringing some levity into otherwise really complex and, and difficult situations. There was always this kind of you know thing going on. So for me in 2009, when I was at my highest weight, 332 pounds, I was director of operations for this tech firm, making well over six figures in my 20s. And I had this moment, and this is actually the first chapter in Prison Break. I had this moment where I tried to make a purchase on Amazon. It was like a $70 purchase for socks, of course, because I, I, I used to be a really big sock fanatic, even <laughs> more so than now. And so I wanted to buy these like cool different socks. And the transaction got declined. The card got declined. Mm. And it was my bank card. It was my debit card. So I knew there was money in the bank. So I, I tried it again and it got declined again. And I had so much anger that I carried around with me back in those days that I just got so pissed off. And I just like fling open my office door and I storm out of the office and I go into the lobby of our building and I call my bank and I'm mashing the zero button on the phone to get a live person. And I get this live person on the phone. Guy's name is Steven. He was so sweet, but I was such an asshole to him. I was just like, what the hell's going on? Why can't I use my card? Why is this card getting declined? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Let me take a look. And he's typing away. And he says, oh, well, it looks like there's been some potentially fraudulent activity on the account. And so we went ahead and deactivated the card temporarily so we can investigate. I said, well, what are you talking about? What, what fraudulent charges? Somebody hacked my account and they steal my identity. What's going on? He does a few more little keystrokes. He comes back and he says, well, it looks like there were four fast food transactions in one day in your city. And so we assume somebody had stolen your card and they were using it to make small purchases. Mm. But that's not what it was. I had actually eaten at four fast food restaurants in one day. Mm. And this multi-billion dollar bank said, you're done. We are taking away access to your money until you start making better decisions with your life. <laughs> yeah. And so that was the day that I say, the name of the chapter is called the day the universe cut me off. Yeah, that was, that was the day that was the, and it wasn't the first wake up call. I had had wake up calls forever about my health and the decisions I was making, but that was the one where I couldn't find somebody else to blame. And I really saw that I had to take some personal responsibility. So that's where I started getting into personal growth and reading the books and being coached and all those things. Mm -hmm. And through that transformation. And after I left the IT consulting, I had two other startups. One was the NASA one. Mm -hmm. and, and, and through that whole thing, I just, I got so much value out of the transformation around coaching that it's like you go see a movie that really moves you or you eat at a restaurant that is just delicious. You want all your friends to know about it. You want everybody to know about it. Yeah. So I, I started saying, how can I do this for a living? And that's how I stumbled into coaching back in 2013. Mm, that's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's, yeah. It truly sounds like, like you're doing exactly what you're passionate about now. You know, yeah. something that brings you joy and happiness and peace. And that's amazing. And I feel like literally like I'm going through that phase myself. 
uh, these last couple of years and then realizing like going through, like I was just, you know, I came from a terrible country and all I knew was how to work hard, but I had no idea about entrepreneurship. So I'm just a construction guy, labor, working really hard, growing through the ranks. And then I discovered self-development, goal setting and all these things in my early 20s uh, mm-hmm. through actually a network marketing company. I went to one of these opportunities, but I know I did really well in that opportunity at the time as well. But what I really took away from that is I discovered books, goal setting, you know, like think and grow rich, all those principles in the book. Like I got, I discovered those, you know, I didn't know about it. I didn't know that I could be anything I put my mind to. I didn't yeah. like, I didn't know like, on any of these things, right. The, the power of the mastermind, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that my friends are affecting me. Right. You know, so I started making those changes, transform my life in a way, in a positive manner. And then now this last year, 2020 is when I was like, you know what? I'm committing my the next decade or so to sharing everything I've learned the last decade. And that's mm-hmm. how I started a YouTube channel where I shared two videos a week in the last six months, podcast, book I published and a couple other things. But like our story is so similar. Like I, I'm just so excited to share these things, which is where it's just joy. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't feel like it's work getting on a podcast, talking to you and getting the feedback from you and hearing your story and all these things. Um, but yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that. I love that you, that you, you've also found the thing that really lights you up. That's, that's all I really care about, man. I just want people to be lit up about their lives. Mm -hmm. That's that's all that matters, man. Yeah. And I think the space that we are in, it's super important that we focus on, you know, like what you just mentioned. Uh, I feel like I'm about to get into another uh, conversation here, but I know we have only one hour. So let the people know actually Jason where they can find you I'm going to put that in the detail section of the podcast and I don't barely I barely ever say this but I feel like we're going to have to do another one the first quarter of 2022 because like I want to get even deeper on your mind here but yeah, yeah please let the people know where they can find you and yeah Cool. Yeah. Uh, best place to find me is on Instagram. I am at the Jason Goldberg, T-H-E, the Jason Goldberg. And uh, there's a bunch of my content is there. That's where we can continue the conversation. And there's a link in there as well. If you want to get a free copy of my book, Prison Break. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. I had so much fun. Like I said, I barely ever say this, but I feel like we're going to do another podcast because I got so much more else to ask you. And lastly, I just want to say thank you so much. I just, I just feel super grateful for jumping on the show. And Guys, as you listen to this podcast, my last intentions are for you to not only listen to this for entertainment purposes, but truly take something away from this and write it down and start implementing it in your day-to-day life. Uh, I feel like Jason shares so many amazing things and is uh, detail section uh, in the detail section. I'll have all his information for you guys to look after him, send him a message, follow him on Instagram. And lastly, until next time, please stay an aware alpha.